Well, hello and welcome to Conversations with Justin Cassidy. I am your host, Justin Cassidy, and today in studio with me is my co-worker, my fellow laborer, fellow network pastor at Pittsburgh North, Becca Locke. Hey, Justin. Thanks for having me on here. Hey, yeah, of course. Um, this is really, really interesting because it's just as a co, you know, you and I both work in the same field uh, here up here in Cranberry. And um, so we're just having a little conversation, a little chat. Becca has promised our listeners that you will get to hear the audible voice of God if you just follow her three steps and pay $29.99 for her new book. I do not endorse any of that. Um, <laughs> maybe next time. That's the next episode. Gotcha. It's coming. Yeah. Okay, so it's dropping soon. Right, uh, right. Um, no, but we are going to talk a little bit about um, hearing from God um, and how we do that. But I guess before we do that, I really want to introduce who you are to sure. some of our listeners. And so maybe you could just tell a little bit about uh, you know your story. How did you right. get into ministry? Yeah, sure. So I was raised uh, in a small town in Northeast Ohio um, and really grew up in the church. And just church was very important part of my life growing up. And I would say um, it wasn't until a handful of years ago um, I was starting to explore colleges um, and figure out what I wanted to do with my life in college. Um, and I didn't know. And God led me to Geneva College in Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania, here about half hour from the church. And uh, while I was there, I started to pursue a degree in biblical studies. Um, but I actually started undeclared at mm. Geneva. I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I was having a really hard time discerning, you know, where God was calling me, what he was calling me to do. And I really, um, yeah, just kind of was prompted. I was actually on team at a conference for a weekend. And after one of the, the talks that I did, I actually had time to just sit down with one of my mentors uh, in prayer and just conversation. And it was that night um, I had given a, a talk on the prodigal son and just really felt God calling me um, kind of back to him from a lot of things or relationships in my life. And just, you know, that night I really felt, you know, I've called you home. Mm. And more than that, I've called you into ministry. You know, mm. this is this is what I want you to do. This is, you know, I didn't know what that meant for sure. I didn't know how he was going to use that, but I knew um, in some way that I was going to be in ministry. And so pursued that degree in biblical studies and, and kind of ended up, um, another story about how I ended up at Crossroads, but um, have been able to, to kind of work towards that uh, since that moment uh, about four years ago. Well, tell me a little bit about, because I guess I'm curious knowing, because sure. I think you grew up Methodist, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. so you're a Methodist woman in ministry and you <laughs> land at Geneva, which not Methodist and and yeah. not um, I don't I don't know what the women in ministry stance is, but that doesn't sure. does not I don't I think sure. I, I think yeah. I know it. Yeah, no, God God works in mysterious ways for sure. I I grew up my whole life uh, going to uh, Ritztown United Methodist Church in Ohio, and and that was all I ever knew uh, as far as denominations went. And so really, when I was looking at colleges, I wasn't looking by denomination. I wasn't looking for a specific affiliation. At that point, like I said, I didn't even know I was going to be going into ministry for sure. And so um, I landed at Geneva. It was one of the many Christian colleges I looked at for a variety of reasons. Um, the community, the people there were just very genuine. Um, I got involved with their tennis program. Um, it was kind of the distance I was looking at. And ultimately, I knew some people that had gone there and had just really good experiences. And so it was interesting, though, like you said, Geneva is not Methodist. Um, in fact, they are Reformed Presbyterian. Um, and so it was definitely different for me kind of going to a, a college with a very different denominational stance. But what I would say is it was a really good growth opportunity for me as well, just to engage with different theological beliefs, uh, different backgrounds. I had friends from a variety of different denominations as well as even non-Christians. Um, and to be challenged uh, 
as a female pursuing biblical Mm. studies and really to dig into scripture for myself and into my faith to really see what God was calling me to and how that's backed up in scripture. Mm. Um, And just to see those conversations that happened on campus and also support that I did have um, from faculty or whatnot at the college um, to kind of prepare me for for different levels and different opportunities in ministry. Mm. Yeah, that's, you know, it's very interesting uh, I think when you have to learn and also learn like a different view than the one that you have, absolutely. I think it it teaches absolutely. you a, a lot about you know just what you believe in things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I go to to Liberty, and it's it's, it's interesting because we have the same undergrad degree, so sure. we can relate. Sure. And you know, when you learn when when you learn a different belief, it's sort of interesting because not only are you going to learn their belief, but then you're sort of like in your free time figuring out like, am I wrong or like, what is the deal? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. I did a, I did a senior kind of capstone project where I was researching for a whole semester on biblical women, Mm -hmm. you know, the examples that we see in scripture of women and, and how God used them and how he called them and, you know, where they were placed. And, and it was just really cool how he put me in that environment that challenged my beliefs, but also allowed me to kind of grow closer to him Mm. in doing my own study um, and just getting affirmation, quite honestly, in my call and seeing how he used me um, in ministry and knowing that that that's where I'm supposed to be. And there are people that will always disagree, whether Mm. it's that issue or anything else, and even being able to spark those conversations um, with other people and and just kind of be able to to show people what he's taught me through the process. Yeah, I think it's interesting when I talk to people in ministry, I always kind of ask them, like, mm-hmm. what what was your call into ministry like? Because yeah. um, everyone has, for one, just a different story, obviously. Yeah. But then also, you know, for me, my call was just like, well, there was a need and I tried to meet it. And, mm-hmm. and it was just as I kept meeting a need, I would do it until then there's a new need. And yeah, then sure. and so I can sort of just sure. track my ministry. My resume is honestly just meeting a need yeah and sure. um and some people have these really like i just felt like the lord called me into this yeah and i guess i feel very unspiritual because i i feel like a lot of times <laughs> it's very practical it's like well sure. this church needed me and and i needed it and it just worked so yeah. tell me a little bit about when you're because people might not know this um the job that i have was offered to you <laughs> <laughs> and and you turned it down yeah um yeah and mm. tell me how how do you and then of course then you eventually came one staff i should bench it so tell me a little bit about sure. how how do you figure out okay mm-hmm. lord what do you want is this, is this an opportunity is the timing right is the timing yeah. wrong how Absolutely. what do you use to process that cuz i think there's a lot of people that have the, you know maybe it's not ministry but it's is this job the right time yeah. i mean yeah that's a great question um it's funny, my my time at Crossroads started my freshman year when I was in college, and I actually started an internship here, and I think God speaks to people in different ways mm-hmm. and in different circumstances, but um, He actually, for me, and I think He does this, He used people um, to speak to me and to provide opportunities for mm-hmm. me. So I had a lot of support um, even back in high school where people were asking me to lead or to speak or to share in, in mm. like youth settings and things like that, kind of seeing potential in me that I didn't even see and God used that. But then, um, started as an intern and it was, I very much believe in God using kind of the open closed door mm. method. Uh, <laughs> sometimes, you know, there were, there were doors that he opened and then other doors that he closed very, very clearly. Mm. And so for me, uh, when I interviewed to be an intern, um, kind of fell in love with the church, just the people, the worship mm. style. Like I love the church, had the opportunity um, to get some hands-on ministry experience. And so that door just kind of opened, even though I wasn't expecting it, even mm. though I was a freshman, um, had the opportunity to work for a nonprofit organization called YouthWorks for a summer that was recommended to me by one of mm. um, one of my colleagues. And so was able to do that and get experience. And so sometimes I think God will put people around you and open those opportunities for you. Um, and sometimes that can be how he's speaking to you. Mm. 
But also to your point, you clearly put the door in front of me for your <laughs> for your job, um, and so I, I was offered um, I was offered that full time job uh, a while ago, and you know not only is it are the opportunities there is the door there, but then I would definitely encourage you, you know, if you have those those hard choices to make in front of you, um, God will use people, but ultimately you need to listen for his voice mm-hmm. and it can be really distracting to just listen to all the other voices around you and everyone's going to have an opinion and everyone's going to tell you, you know, if you ask three people what you should do, you're going to get four different answers, you know? <laughs> and right. so ultimately I would also just say, you've got to make time and space to sit in his presence mm-hmm. and to make space for him to speak to you. You know, it's not mm-hmm. just talking at God, but mm-hmm. it's allowing him to speak to you kind of in the silence, um, whether that's through scripture, whether that is through nature, whether that is through literally just like sitting on my floor in silence, you know, Mm -hmm. and just kind of allowing space for him. Um, and do you feel peace about it? You know, is this a, is this something that you feel ready for that you feel peace about? Um, right. There's a, I feel like with my, when I have choices, I, I think I kind of know, and I don't think mm. it's not not that I know, but I I feel like there's just mm. a piece that I can yeah. see. Like I can go, there's something in me that just says this is the wrong time. This isn't the right yeah, move. Yeah, absolutely. And and then you have other moments where you go, no, this is the right yeah, move, and I'm absolutely. gonna move forward. And I think that that's really important to you know, like you said, just to listen to. And whether that's mm-hmm. you know going on a on a prayer walk or just walking right. on a hike, right. but just saying, okay, God. Are you giving me peace about this? Um, I think now. Now, how would you? What would you say to someone? Because sometimes God's calling us to things that are uncomfortable and difficult, mm. yeah, and absolutely. you're not going to have peace about. Oh yes, absolutely. this will be great. So, what would you say? You know, how how do you figure out? Okay, I have a peace, even though this will be difficult. Do you have? Yeah, no, that's a great question because. Absolutely. He's going to call you sometimes um, to situations that maybe are uncomfortable for you or that you never would have thought you'd find yourself there. Mm. Um, And I think part of that is just, are you willing to say yes, even when you're scared, even when you don't know how it's going to play out? And so for me, um, kind of the same thing. You know, I think it's making making space for that to to hear from God, um, but also giving yourself time. You know, you don't always have to make the decision in the same conversation that you're asked the question. And I think sometimes just that wisdom of allow yourself time and space to really think about it, to really pray about it, and to allow God mm. to either affirm um or deny, you know, I think we see a lot of places in scripture where like people are called to do things that they don't feel ready for or that they never would have saw themselves doing. Um, I think another thing can be, you know, is this something that God continues to bring up to you? Mm, You know, sometimes things have come around like with this job at Crossroads where, um, you know, it wasn't the right time. The first time the job was offered to me and I said no. And then, um, I really didn't feel like my, my work, at Geneva, I work full time at Geneva was done. And so, um, it was a matter of like waiting on his timing because I wasn't done with something else. So sometimes Mm. I think there's a, you need to finish well where you're at as, but then also be open for, okay, where is he leading me next? And kind of keep that door open because we never know. Right. Yeah. That's, you know, I usually talk about like, I try to leave things better than I found it, Yeah. you know? Um, cause I, I don't think God like calls me to go destroy places you know what I mean (laughs) I hope not yeah Yeah. so you know I usually think like okay God um I've done this I feel I feel like I've done what I can do here and now it's time to move on right to to go and and, but I I also think that that might be something in my personality where Mm -hmm. I like to restore things and figure like fix things Mm -hmm. I think some people not everyone has that in them that that's what they want to do um when you when you consider your calling you know what's what like like what gets you up in the morning and this like this is mm. ministry like this is what what yeah. is the things that excites you yeah. in ministry? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'm super passionate about the 
relational kind of discipleship side of ministry. And I think a big part of that is because I have really been cared for and discipled by people. And I think that that has been one of the biggest difference makers for me personally is the people that have invested in me one-on-one that have been mentors to me, that have been people that I can call, that I can text when I'm struggling or, or things like that. And so being able to to be that for other people, mm. um, just from a, you know, this is what I've experienced. This is how God has worked in my life. This is the truth that he has revealed to me. Like, I just want to share that with you and kind of do life with you. Um, so I, I love just that part of, you know, seeing it even as Jesus lived that out Mm. very relationally with the disciples and with the people that he would come into contact with. Like, I think that is ministry just Mm. in the day to day kind of conversation. So I love that. Um, I definitely love also just the the corporate side of bringing people to the church, mm. like the corporate worship together yeah. and and really being able to to preach and to teach and just study the like the theology, the the origins, the Greek, you know, all of that yeah. and really pull out um that because that's not what everybody likes to do. Mm-hmm. And I love the research side of things. And so being able to do that and then share that truth um with people to equip them for the discipleship making. Right. I think that's, you know, my favorite part of ministry really is when you when you write a sermon and you do that research as much as, you know, when you step down, people are like, oh, you know, I, that was a blessing. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's like you have yeah. no idea how much this has really blessed me. Yeah, Because absolutely. you cannot, you, you, you can't teach something, especially teach it well, that you haven't absolutely. processed and interpreted. Yeah. Yeah. And I think some of my favorite sermons that I've ever done are the ones that convict me the most. Right. You know, the ones that just ironically enough, God puts that topic (laughs) up for that Sunday because I'm going through that or I've struggled through that or I've wrestled with that. Mm. And and it is it's very it's very vulnerable Mm. um, when you preach and when you're like it's a gift for sure and a blessing. But it also like it exposes you. It allows you to kind of have have that dialogue with people in a very different way. Right. kind of light yeah you know it's kind of unique you don't there's not a job like it where True. once a week yeah. someone says True. hey tell me about my life like tell me what i yeah. should do with my life yeah. that's such a weird thing we get yeah. to do absolutely um when i write there's two two people that i have in mind one's myself and um mm-hmm. you know i had someone say about my sermons uh you preach angry and you know, i said <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm angry with myself you are right? angry, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know i i, I think that um, but you know, he was like, but hey, you know, the, the grandma in the back doesn't need to be yelled at right. and beat down. So I was like, oh, okay, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, mm. But, and then the other person I, I kind of write for is usually I think my mom, my dad, um, like would my parents understand this? Because as sure. fun as it is for us to go, you know, into the Greek and the Hebrew and, oh, hey, and John Wesley said this and John right, Calvin right, right. said this. You know, I remember um, this was like my early days of preaching um, and uh, this was my last church and I had a sermon and I quoted John Calvin, uh, I think like probably Martin Luther and Dietrich Bonhoeffer all in like Uh the same sermon. Uh And he called me on the phone and he goes, "Uh, yeah, great sermon, man. Just so you know, uh, nobody cares about those quotes. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And I thought, thought, what do you, wait a second. What? No, this, do you know who this is? Bonhoeffer. This is John Calvin. And uh, he goes, you know, nobody in, nobody in Homewood cares about John Calvin Mm -hmm. or Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Mm -hmm. And, and that challenged me to be more relatable because, you know, I think sometimes we can preach to pastors and, oh yeah, boy, my friends will be really impressed with this. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, is like, if it's not connecting with, you know, the average person, then it's really, you know, what's it for? So when you're putting together a sermon, mm. you know, what's your thought process like um, in terms of, you know, this is who I'm thinking mm. of? Do you have anyone in mind or what? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think it is definitely a good question for preachers in general to ask yourself when you're preparing, because to your point, it can be so easy to, to be theological um, or, you know, based on on the seminary research that we've done, mm-hmm. or even you, like you said, our undergrad is in this. So we have more of a context than maybe some people might. And so kind of, I agree, definitely having myself in mind, you know, what is God trying to say to me right. and convict in me is huge. Um, somebody, one of my mentors actually told me, they said, you know, when you are, when you're preaching a sermon, think about 
the people in your congregation and how it is going to affect them. Mm. You know, if you're preaching, if you're using a sermon illustration about whatever, um, divorce, and you've got a, a couple in your church that is going through that, that's going to connect very differently. You know, being sensitive to the specific needs, right. stories, and situations of the people in your congregation. And that's that's part of the relational mm-hmm. kind of aspect. And so I would say myself, the specific situations in the church. And then the last one I would say is also, is this going to connect with an unbeliever? Mm, yeah. You know, are you presenting information and in a way that can connect to someone that's never read scripture before Um, and kind of bringing that down to a level where it's like regardless of where you're at you've been at this church for 20 years or you're walking through the church doors for the first time Hmm. can I find a takeaway from this and can I get the truth there yeah yeah that's definitely so my old ministry um, child evangelism fellowship Mm -hmm. I mean in every story we had the gospel and it was pretty simple method it was like Whatever the problem was, you know, we you know we say, oh well, you know, um, we use the Jesus calming the storm, you know. Well, you know, there's we had we had like link in with like, and there was a big storm, and you know, we have storms in our life that usually are caused by sin. Sin right. is anything right. you think say or do doesn't please God, and then and you can it, make anything a sermon illustration, <laughs> right? right. Um. And you know, but but the whole every lesson would teach the gospel, and so yeah, for me that's something that I still find very important is mm-hmm. like. I want to preach the gospel in every sermon because at the end of the day, if you're an unbeliever, I want you to hear the gospel. But if you are Mm -hmm. a believer, it still is just as important as it was the day you got saved as it is now and teaching them patterns and really changing their mindset so when they walk out, they're they're going to feel more confident. Like the more that they're Mm -hmm. hearing the gospel and and getting their hands around it, the more they're going to be better equipped to share the gospel. And I just think that's um, some, something that sometimes can get lost in the preaching. Like, again, sure. you can just go, you know, way on this academic side that's just, you know, yeah. overly, you mm-hmm. know, presumptuous, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think about even in terms of when we see Jesus preaching, mm. you know, it's very simple and he teaches so much in parables. You know, yeah. he uses the storytelling method because that is relatable mm. to any person and that is related, you know, in the context that he's preaching, these people don't know who he is. They don't know what the truth is. They don't know right. what it means to be born again or to be saved or forgiven. And so I think sometimes we can try to complicate it mm. and Jesus doesn't complicate it. You know, right. his, his teaching is very simple. It's very straight to the point And it's very, let me take the examples, you know, from the context of the day, yeah. you know, whether that is, sowing seeds or whatnot, mm-hmm. you know, things that they would understand yeah. and teaches to where they're at. And mm-hmm. so sometimes I think we need to be more tailored to to those examples that people can understand um, yeah. than trying to to elevate it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think that it's a really weird game because sometimes you have to explain, like you have a text and you have to go, okay, mm-hmm. let me give you a quick history lesson in first century Judaism. Right. And then at the same time, you're going to have to fast forward this and say, and this is basically a parable like that, like, and and here's an illustration uh, that's going to make sense in 2022. Right. And so like in a, in a, and not to read into the scripture, you know, we can't, we can't necessarily say, you know, yeah, Jesus is referencing iPhones in this passage (laughs) because, you know, we can't put it into it, but also understanding the cultural context is very different. And I think that's where, I do think that's where like the scholarship and the research becomes important because Mm -hmm. if we don't understand it in the same way that Jesus was teaching it, Mm. we're not going to get the same message that the people did. So there is, there is a link to be made, but it's a fine line of reading it in context and not reading into the context. Yeah. You ever, you ever like hear people's sermons, you know, like, like like a friend sends you a sermon. They're like, oh, I really like this person. And they, Mm. they just... It's just bad preaching, and you're just like <laughs> you have to figure out like what what you can yeah. say. Like, oh, I like yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think it's and that's why it's so important to just even be cautious of what we're using as mm. our resources right. and who we're listening to and who we're reading. And um, ultimately, I think the biggest test is you know are these people grounded in scripture? Right. You know, are we teaching from a biblical foundation, or are these people just 
just preaching and teaching for themselves, you know, right. kind of right back to what we were saying at the beginning, like everything has to be grounded and like vetted through scripture. Yeah. It's kind of weird that there's like a whole industry of, mm-hmm. you know, like books are getting published and, yes. you know, man, sermons are like, you know, I mean, now it's, I mean, you know, we got a podcast, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, you can vet us later, yeah, um, right, right. <laughs> decide if you want to listen to the next episode. <laughs> yeah. And so it can be difficult because... I mean, if you have a flashy website and, right. you know, right. I, I, for me, I guess I especially judge like the, the guys like with the V-necks and the like beaded <laughs> necklaces and mm-hmm. stuff, you, you know, you know who they are, but I, you know, it's just, you, you hear these guys preach and I, I joke because it's like, they open the Bible, they'll read a verse or two, they set it down, walk to the side of the podium yeah. and then they just talk and it's like. It's just it's just kind of yeah. crazy that people do that, and then it it but it it conversely it's like it's awesome when um and I think this is what really is special about Crossroads is mm-hmm. there are people that I mean just take the Bible really seriously absolutely that's so unique absolutely. yeah yeah that's good I that's definitely something that you know I obviously I work here but it was a it was a choice even as an intern to work here and that was something that really attracted me the church is the sermons are very grounded mm. um in scripture but yeah. they're also very practical mm. and I think that that's equally important like we need to be in scripture we need to be reading the truth but if we don't have some sort of practical application yeah. both to our life and also to like our evangelism to mm. to non-believers then there's no action step to be taken right. and that's just as important to kind of be challenged and convicted personally but then also okay what are we going to do with this throughout the week you know how am i gonna i'm not just gonna come sit and listen to this sermon hopefully on sunday but i'm gonna think about it i'm gonna you know dig into it i'm gonna reflect and i'm gonna apply it Mm -hmm. ultimately yeah you know i mean i think when you think about the whole point of like learning history is to not make the same mistakes and things (laughs) and you know i think that the bible in one way is a history lesson and then if you let it just be a history lesson and just a well this happened then period then it's like no 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 this is a history lesson and this is what we can learn from it where hey Mm -hmm. you know jesus rose from the dead that has you know extreme implications that get lived out day to day hour you know hour Mm -hmm. by hour minute by minute Mm -hmm. that you know you have to draw that out and then and present that and like you're saying i do think crossroads does that pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of want to change gears a little bit, going back sure. to because I think one of the things you do really well is figuring out timing on things. Like mm-hmm. I like you're. Mm-hmm. I feel like you're somebody when I mean, and, and it can be prayerful, but also even day to day, like at our work. Like mm-hmm. y- I just think that that you have a sense of timing. <laughs> is that a prayer thing? I mean, how do you? Yeah. I think it's a lot of uh, experiences that it is not my timing. <laughs> it is not my timeline. And and it's something that God has really been teaching me, I'd say, too, over the past five to seven years. I can tend to be somebody that, that likes to plan, that likes to know the next step, mm. that likes to be prepared. And God has just constantly shown me through examples, through relationships, through my family that it's really out of my control. You know, I could, I could have the perfect timeline planned out for my life and tomorrow it could be changed. And so, um, kind of to answer your question, one of the kind of biblical examples that I've really, really connected with, and I think teaches us really well is Elijah. Mm. Um, and we, we, we think of Elijah, we think of him as this great prophet as who Mm. struck down all these false gods, who was on Mount Carmel and had this great moment, but we forget about the timeline that he had to go through to get there, you know. And so when you when you study Elijah's life, we see he was called to be a prophet and he knew that. But then right after God called him, God said, OK, I need you to go away mm. to Cherith and I need you to be by yourself. Wow. And I need you to learn to trust me and I need you to rely on me and I need to prepare you for what's next. Yeah. And so I think that God puts us in these different seasons where sometimes we're not ready or sometimes it's not his timing and to be okay with that, Mm. to kind of be, I hate to say it, be patient, Um, but uh, pray for praise and judge your own risk because he will uh, answer that prayer. Um, Be okay to be pulled away and then also be okay with when it is God's timing, be ready to say yes um, and be ready to step into that kind of obediently. 
Yeah, you know, I think it's a great point, actually, the the waiting game that he yeah. had to play. And, you know, it it's it's I think that's the one thing I probably struggle a lot with, like, is mm-hmm. knowing when the right time is. Yeah. Um, part of that's just because I have, like I said, my, my resume is a lot of just, well, there was a need, so I tried to meet it. Right. And, you know, and I, I think now I think that God uses all that. He, he sort of knows, oh, you know, sure. what, what I'm going to just, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll put my hand up. I think, sure. um, you know, Steve Jobs talks about, like, focusing is being able to say no. Um, yeah. And, yeah. you know, I think that's kind of interesting. Like, I think sometimes I feel bad, but I've learned to get really good at saying no. Yeah, it's important. And I think it's it's especially important for people in ministry right. um, to know when to say yes and when to say no because there there are boundaries that need to be had there and we there's a a point that burnout will come really quickly Mm -hmm. you know if we're not able to say no if we're not able to be fueling ourselves and spending that time personally with god there's no way that you can pour out um to somebody else yeah you know there's because there's always a a thousand things you could be doing absolutely yeah and it's just like but what should you be doing you know and that's that's the the balance of trying to figure out like what what should I be doing? What's most effective for the mm. kingdom? And yeah. you know, trying to do that. And and there's a lot of times where I just have to say, like, this isn't a bad thing, like this is a good thing, but I, I just it's it's not what I need to be doing right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think also relying obviously ultimately relying on God, but also relying on other people. Right. Um, and being able to admit your weakness, your vulnerability when you need help, and also draw on other people's strengths and their gifts to be able to step in and to lead and to help um, and knowing that that is an opportunity for them to do ministry as well. And we don't want to take that from them because we're too busy saying yes. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) Like you can rob people of their blessing and what God's calling them to do. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things that I've grown a lot in is I used to be like, Okay, I, I want to do everything. I want yeah. I want that chance. I want that opportunity. And that yes. and now yeah. I feel like I'm the coach and I'm mm, just I'm trying to put good. players on the field that's and put good. them in positions to succeed. Mm-hmm. And that's a weird thing because you know, three years ago, four you know, my old boss mm-hmm. used to call like he'd say it's Mr. J show. Yeah. And you know, sure. it was like that really was how I ran things. Yeah. And now it's like I want to just hand things off and never deal with it. Like yeah. you know, it's like this is your yeah. thing, and God bless you. And like, and it's been that's something that's very cool about Crossroads. Yeah. I think is you know, obviously we've gone through some adversity, mm-hmm. but we have such a core now mm-hmm. that man, like we we have people that have stepped up, and Absolutely. it's been really really cool. And I think about it, you know, as well. There were people that took a chance on me mm. and allowed me to to do things, to try things, to lead things. And without them giving me those opportunities would not have been able to, to work on my gifts and my skills mm. and my abilities. And it's the same kind of thing. It's like, okay, I've seen how this benefited me and how God used other people to get me where I am. Right. And I want to do the same thing for other people. You yeah. know, I want to, I want to push them a little past their comfort zone. I want to see that potential in them and then watch God take over mm. and see where they go. Um, so I think that that is really important. Just looking at it like introspectively from my life. Um, mm. And just, you know, I think too, the, the temptation of, of being in ministry is doing it for our own selfish ambitions and you know i definitely know i can have that tendency to like fall into pride um or fall into that arrogance you know put anybody on stage and put a spotlight on them and what happens you know and so it's having that constant like heart check and heart attitude that this is not for me this is not for my glory like ultimately i'm a vessel and like i want god to use me the same way i want him to use anybody else yeah you know it's funny i was talking um to my some of my Anglican friends, and we were yeah. talking about church governance, and um, it's a fun topic for another yeah, conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but he, you know, he had talked about he had said because they have a bishop, um, okay. and I, I guess Crosshurst kind of does, but anyway. Um, but you know, he was talking about yeah. he said, well, you know, bishops can be really useful and good, and he said one of the things that it prevents is in like that non-denominational sort of that more modern world is it rewards 
um, charisma over character. Mm. And, you know, it's just how, how, you know, how good are you at attracting a crowd? And those aren't the people necessarily sometimes, you know, but they're not always the people that really should be in places of ministry and lifted up. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I think about it, something that's been really cool to see is when you look at those people in scripture, you know, God did not call people of great character. You know, he built great character in them. Mm. You know, Saul was, became Paul, but he was killing Christians. You know, we see this all throughout scripture where um, there are people that did terrible things that were not of great character, that were lying, that were cheating, that were murdering, that were fill in the blank, you know, and that's who God used. And yeah. so it's not it's not a matter of whether or not God can use you. It's will you allow God quite literally like through that refining fire mm. to purify you and to convict you of those things so that you can be used. Right, right. And that's that's something that I think ministry always challenges you because it's just there's sure. there's you know, like like I, I know because, you know, we're um, like, like, so I'm single. Right. And I know people say, well, you know, when you get married, then you'll you know, there's things that are yeah. going to happen and you're going to learn. And I'm kind of and I, I believe that. But there's a part of me that goes, brother, when you're married to a church and yeah, people are calling absolutely. you, and, you know, hey, you know, this happened and can you come help? Absolutely. There's a little bit. And I'm not saying it's the same, but, you know, that sort of self-sacrificing yeah. type thing. And I think that goes to we go through seasons, Yeah, you know, I've been in seasons where I've been in very serious relationships and I've learned things from that. Mm -hmm. And God has taught me things in those. And absolutely. But being in the same kind of situation that you are in, Mm -hmm. um, being single right now, you know, that is a beautiful gift in that I'm able to give so much more relationally to the church and to the people that I'm serving now. And just, you know, being in relationship, being in marriage, being married in ministry is not a bad thing, but I do believe that there are seasons that God calls us to where he can use us in different ways right. and to different um, circumstances, capacities, whatever that looks like because of those seasons that we're in. Yeah. So I think it's important to recognize where are you right now? How can yeah. God use you? And then when he calls you to the next season, how can he use you differently because of that? Yeah, you know, I think, and I think sometimes... Christians have a tendency, if we're not in the season we want to be in, we'll mm. sort of stamp our feet and pout. Yeah. And oh, well, or try to I, rush it. Right. Absolutely. And, and I, I think over the last, you know, eight months or so, I mean, I've really just accepted this season of, of, of life and ministry. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know that, that there's friends and family that sort of like push and poke, but, you know, I just say like, <laughs> you don't get it. Like right now I'm yeah. able to do a lot of things that... You know, and and not just not just my you know my relationship status right. season, but my right. career season of like, right. well, right now in this particular role, I'm able to also do this, or I'm a, I'm able right. to work on this um, thing, and mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. while I'm here, I'm gonna be as faithful as possible. That doesn't mean that I've accepted this is my forever, but right. just saying, right now, this mm-hmm. is what I have today, and I'm gonna yeah. accept it. I love that. And I think something else that God has really been showing me this year um, is just the importance of not missing what's right in front of you Mm. because you're trying to either go backwards or go forwards um, and being very present. And, you know, uh, one of the the verses that has really been on my heart this year is Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. And, you know, how hard is it for us to be still? How hard is it for us to just rest in the season that we're in? But be still and then the second half and know that I am God. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. Right. That Like, right there, that's all we need. And so just trusting in that and trusting the season that you're in one season at a time. He'll yeah. pull you into the next one when it's time. He'll open the door. He'll close the door, you know, that we talked about at the beginning. Being yeah. open and listening for his voice, but at the same time not missing opportunities in yeah. front of you. Well, because that's that's the thing that I'm not not like I'm not staying up at night about, but sure. you know, I don't want to miss out on an opportunity that God was like, "Hey, right. I kept this from you because there was mm. a usefulness to it." And you know, um I forget yeah, I I I forget where I heard the quote, but it was just talking about you know, one day every suffering will make sense and every Absolutely. everything Absolutely. that we go through, we'll see that was for our gain. And Absolutely. that is so, no one else but Christians can say that, mm. you know, that we have That's a good. hope in a redemption 
that every tear we cry will be comfort, used. You know, yeah. absolutely. I can even look back on on previous seasons of my life and I was going through it and I felt like I was, you know, walking through the fire and yeah. I didn't understand why and I couldn't figure out, you know, the pain, the hurt, the suffering, yeah. all of that. And it's like, now I get it, yeah. you know, that 2020 vision. And it's, it's trusting that going forward too. that. Like he's got the full picture and he can see how yeah. everything is working to get together for his good. Mm. We only get, again, we only get right here. We only get mm. one season at a time. We can't see what's next. And so that just builds your trust and your faithfulness, um, in what he's doing. Yeah. I have a, a story about that. Yeah. So I think of it like, uh, I used to drive the school buses, like the big 72-passenger yellow school buses for my old ministry. Goodness. Yeah, and so my first time, like literally first time driving it, um, I have 72 kids loaded okay. on this bus. And, yeah. I, and I'm looking back like, boy, that's 72 souls. Man. <laughs> yeah, I got to like transfer. They're, <laughs> so we're, I'm driving them to the church, yeah. and a car pulls out in front of me, um, mm-hmm. and I had to slam on the brakes. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, so anyway, so then it's fine, no big deal. We get to the church, whatever. I open up the door and all the kids are walking by. Mm -hmm. And this little girl, kindergartner, stops and says, Mr. J, you did a good job. But that one time you hit the brakes just a (laughs) little too hard. Right. And I thought Mm -hmm. to myself, you know, there's a part of me. I was like, well, um, thank you for correcting my driving. Uh, You don't (laughs) know how to spell your name. Yeah. Uh, And I was keeping us out of an accident. Right. And I think, you know that's a kind of a picture of us a lot of times where we go, yeah. God, you know, you did a pretty all right job, but man, you know, this, this kind of stunk. And it's like, yeah, no, actually I was you keeping you it. out of something. Yeah. And while slamming on those brakes might not have been convenient, the pain yeah. of going of, of what I was preventing would have been so mm-hmm. much worse. Absolutely. And so often I think we mm-hmm. sort of, you know, we can think, Oh God, you know, what, what are you doing? And it's yeah. like, no, no, he, he is doing something and it's for our good and for his glory. Yeah, no, that's a great example, you know? And I think it's just, it's so hard to see that. And it's so hard to trust that, but the more times, you know, I think that's the beauty of his faithfulness mm-hmm. and building our testimony is as we go through life and we have more of those experiences and more of those seasons, like for me personally, I have things that I can fall back on now. Mm. I can say like, God, you were faithful in this season and I see how you worked in that. So I'm going to trust you're going to do the same thing here. And it's just, you know, as that faith builds and as it even builds through scripture um, and seeing how he was faithful to the people in scripture, like God doesn't change. His character doesn't change. His care for us does not change. Yeah we seem to question it <laughs> just as much every yeah. time it happens because um, of our human nature. But just knowing that he is good and that we can trust that, like there, there's examples out there. We just got yeah. to trust that. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, he is the God who was and is and is to come. Yeah, amen. And, you know, I think it's that good. sometimes that rolls off the tongue is like a cute, like, you know, it's just eh, <laughs> you know, put it on a sign and <laughs> right. hang it somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, OK, he's the God who was. This is how he acted in the past. He is still acting this way. He's still just as faithful as he was. He is today, and he will be that faithful in the future. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I I, I forget if it was N.T. Wright or C.S. Lewis, but somebody I don't know. You, you do enough <laughs> Both reading. Reliable, which is, you know. Yeah. yeah. Right. Might have been someone else. That you, but um, he said, you know, a God that changes over time at all is a polytheistic mm. God. That mm-hmm. that yeah, if God is not the same as He was and is and is to come, then He's 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 different. He was something. He was a different being at one point, right. and and yet we know that God is one, and so right. He is just as faithful, just as good as He was then, as He is now, and as He yeah. will be. And being able to trust in that, yeah. that okay, I can rely on Him. And like you're saying, I think especially as us like younger. Uh, younger folk be able to look back now at, at something and yeah. be able to say god you got me through that and i didn't think that i, I could come through that mm-hmm. and th- th- there's something there's a piece to that to be able to hang your hat on that right and then it's like it builds absolutely you know? and i think to to your point you said earlier about just appreciating our suffering that might be a a harsh thing to say but I also think about some of the seasons that I've walked through over the years that were that were hard and how you know when when everything else was stripped from me or when everybody else let me down like God was who was faithful and it was in those seasons that like my relationship with him 
blossomed, like could be more because sometimes when you can't do anything but cling to Jesus, like right. a very beautiful relationship yeah. of intimacy that that comes out of that. And so I think that he has really used those seasons to pull me closer to him and to reveal himself to me even more. Um, and and not that you don't appreciate him in the same way during the good mm-hmm. seasons, but he definitely uses those hard ones to, to yeah. bring you closer. Well, it's like um, a shepherd would break a lamb's leg yeah. if, it, if it would wonder, mm-hmm. and it would he would break its leg so that so that then it would stay by the shepherd's side. Right. And you know, some of my some of my prayers have been like, Lord, break my leg. Yeah. You know, Lord, like I I almost <laughs> want to suffer because yeah. I know I'll be near you and I'll yeah. cling to you, and mm-hmm. you know that's something that you know now. And I think that once you go through a couple sufferings, like you can sort of trust, like okay, God, like. I don't need my leg broken again. Right. Like, you know, I'm sticking by you. Yeah. But it does yeah. take a couple big things to kind of come and wreck you and, and make yeah. you realize mm-hmm. God's the only thing I got mm-hmm. and that's going to stay and be reliable. And mm-hmm. um, I, I, just, I just, I really like that. It, but it's weird. Again, I just think there's something unique about Christians and the Christian faith of like the embracing suffering, embracing yeah. our cross to say, God, no. I want to go to the cross with you. Yeah. I, you know, that it's like I get closer to you that way. And I think the other thing that we can forget about is we're not promised it's going to be easy. Right. In, in fact, it's the opposite. Yeah. You know, God God says you're going to face trials. Right. You're going to face persecution. You're going to face suffering. Um, you have to take up your cross mm. to follow me. Right. And while we might not have to physically be crucified in the way that Christ was, you know, the symbolism there where it's like Christ went through something awful, something terrible, the suffering, the mocking, mm-hmm. the humiliation. And it's like, that is the price that we pay right. because we're going against the cultural norm. We're going right. against the grain. And so when we step into that, we should expect those trials to come. We should expect those spiritual attacks to come. And quite honestly, that's a mark of our faith. Yeah. You know, when we are being, Satan doesn't care about the people that aren't following God. Like he has no reason to attack them or distract them. It's when you're chasing after God, it's when you're pursuing a relationship with him and trying to follow after his will. That's when Satan steps in and tries to distract you. Right. Right. Because, because now you're dangerous. You're, you know, you're, you're actively raging against his, his kingdom and his world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like, I, I think that's, really where I'm sort of settling at like, what do I want to do in life? Mm. And I just want to make the devil mad every, every day I wake <laughs> up, you know, what a prayer <laughs> to pray. That, yeah. You know, invite suffering yeah, real quick. I, I'm sure. I'm sure. But you know, here's the thing. It's just like, you know, I, I think that the amazing thing is Jesus says, you know, in this world, you will have trials and tribulations, right. but take heart. I've overcome yeah. the world. Right. right. And it's like, man, if you couldn't kill my Messiah, my savior, mm. if sin and death, was put on yeah. him and he beat the power then you know what what can man do to me you know right. you, you can you can you can kill my body but you yeah. cannot you know my, my soul yeah. will not die and i think that's what's important to remember too is like it can sound kind of depressing like oh i have to expect trials and trouble to yeah. come but that's not the end of the story right you know ultimately like we're not on this earth forever we are not in these physical bodies forever and so suffering is temporary and in the grand scheme of eternity like our suffering is blink of an eye how small it's gonna look on the other side because you know there's moments where like you complain about something and then you kind of realize like afterwards like after it got solved you were like "Ah." yeah actually i was kind of being a baby about that like i could have you know (laughs) and it's like man when you're when we're two eternities in, you know what I mean? Like when we're, uh, a, you know, a billion years down the road yeah. and we go, man, remember that time I was, I was sad when I was 30, like you know? A year, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, but then it's just so, I don't know, it's, it's insane to think about just eternity and the light and that other side of the cross and what Absolutely. hope we have. And, you know, Absolutely. so I, I sort of, not that I invite suffering, but I do, I, I, and I don't want to. And I don't. I don't even want to sound too pious. Like, oh, I I welcome it, but you expect it. I expect it, and I just I just have such a hope in the victory of Christ, where yeah. it's like, mm-hmm. whatever's happening, like it's it. Christ, he's gonna win the battle. Right. This is gonna right. be for his glory, and I think for me, God's glory is like the centering piece of I guess my theology, yeah. and knowing like either you're gonna deliver me from this, mm-hmm. and God's gonna get glory, or 
you're going to be enough through this suffering yeah. and that will give you any, probably an even greater glory. Right. Right. And that's just something that's, it's such a gift for us at this timeline too. You know, I think about those, those patriarchs in the old Testament that mm. went through the same suffering, the same waitings. And, you know, they had that hope of the coming Messiah, mm. but they didn't fully understand what that was going to look like yeah. or what that was going to mean. Or, you know, not that we knew Jesus in his physical form, but even, you know, New Testament, uh, the disciples like had that hope because they met him. And so it's just cool that we get to even live on like this side of the Bible where it's like, at least we get to see the full story. You know, there were, there were models of faith in the old Testament that think how much faith they had, not even knowing Christ or knowing his resurrection. Yeah. That's, and that's, because, I mean, that's one of the things, right, with the like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Sadducees mm-hmm. didn't believe in resurrection. The Pharisees right. did. Right. And for us, I mean, our faith hinges on the resurrection. Absolutely. And that yeah. we will be raised to life again. Mm-hmm. And I just, I mean, for me, that's just become such a, a thing of like, I, 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 I just, I know there's a world coming where every wrong thing is set right. Mm-hmm. And it's like. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's like, like I'm already 20 something. And it's just like, oh, you know, like th- I'm just passing through this life. Like this is right. not my home. And that's so yeah. freeing because yep. now that this isn't my home, I don't care what I drive. I don't care what I mm. wear or where I live because like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't lasting. Yeah. And I think it really goes to that, that scripture too, you know, where you don't store up treasures for mm. yourself here on earth, you know, store up your treasures in heaven. Yeah. And so that's just, you know, not that we make a lot in ministry anyway, so less to store up, (laughs) but, um, you know, not letting money or status or your car or your job or your family, whatever dictate who you are, you know, really finding that identity in Christ and in like the new kingdom, you know, um, and that that's, what's most important. And the impact that we make in the day to day, for the kingdom, um, way more important than anything else that we could have here for the next 30 years. Right. And that, and that mindset of the kingdom and we are bringing it to the earth Mm. every day. We're making it here like there. Um, I think that that's like a, like a war mindset. I don't think we realize like we're we're at war with a kingdom that, that is fading, but it's still here in, in the, in, so we're making war against the devil. And I think sometimes, yeah, I know John Piper talks about like we treat prayer like a butler service of like, yeah. oh, you know, more caviar, yeah. more. And it's like that's a wartime walkie talkie. Mm. And you're using it to call in for these riches yeah. and spoils. And it's like, no, 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 you need to be calling in airstrikes of Lord, bring down this principality, bring down this, this, the, these things. And um, so I guess what I want to end because we're coming up towards the end of our time, yeah. um, people that are, asking the Lord about maybe they're going through transitions and they're going through, um, you know, they're, they're trying to pray and hear the voice of God. What are yeah. some practical things they can do to realize, to figure out, okay, God, is this my time? Cause that's yeah. something just talking out loud. Um, something Jesus knew very well, my time has not yet come. And then when it is, then he knows this is the right time. Yeah. Yeah, I think very practically, first of all, just knowing that there are different ways to experience God and Mm -hmm. to hear from Him. And so, um, one, definitely grounding yourself in Scripture, you know, 100% making sure that that is a priority, that you are spending time in Scripture, looking at those examples and that truth and letting that, um, you know, it's alive, it still speaks to us today. Uh, for me personally, I know a big way that I kind of connect and learn is is through journaling, you know, getting my thoughts down on paper, allowing myself to So how to do you do of, that? Like, do you, is it like, you know, give me give me some details. Sure. Like, do you have a journal, like, yeah. a, like a physical journal? Like, yeah, so I do. I have a physical, um, like a prayer journal. And okay. I actually started journaling now um, maybe three or four years ago. And it was something that I really wanted to get into. And what has been cool is I sometimes my my mind races fast when I'm praying or gets distracted. And so mm-hmm. journaling has been a way for me to kind of ground myself mm-hmm. and to focus myself. And then also not only like, you know, just getting my prayers down and really like, I would say two things. One, don't be afraid to journal honestly. Mm-hmm. You know, pray honestly, like 
God can take it. He knows your heart. He knows when you're angry. He knows right. when you're joyful. Like express that to him, right. no matter what it is. Um, and allow him to speak into those circumstances. Yeah. But then also the other beautiful thing about journaling is now I have about four years of my life that I can go back to, mm. you know, and I can see, I prayed this prayer a year ago and yeah. God moved in that. Wow. Like these are examples of his faithfulness. And like, this has built my faith. This has built my testimony to be able to, yeah. to see how he's moved in that. So, um, I would definitely recommend it to anyone if you haven't tried it, like just being able to document your prayers that way. So, so you write out your prayers then in your journal? I do. Um, it's like, obviously not every single prayer or every word of my prayer because I don't have time for that. But, um, kind of when I'm doing like intentional time with God, like I like to be in scripture and then I like to go into like physically writing out my prayers. And again, it's just a way for me to center. Mm. And then sometimes it's full sentences and I'm writing things out. Sometimes I'm bullet pointing Mm. things. Sometimes I'm asking questions. Sometimes I'm praying for other people. Sometimes I'm praying for myself. Like, again, there's not a, not a right or wrong way to do it, but just like having that pen to paper, having those prayers there. Um, And then I would say, don't just talk or write at God. But like I said at the beginning, also trying to leave space for God to speak to you. Um, And just, again, being still is so hard. Mm -hmm. We're such a culture that I like to have music on or I like to be talking to people or I like to be reading something or doing something. But finding those moments, just force yourself to be still and be be in his presence. So when you talk about listening, being still and listening for God, yeah. some people, you know, they're, they're immediately going to jump, oh, like the audible voice of God? Like, what do you mean? Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. So can you talk a little bit about, because, you know, there's moments um, I talk about, I, I feel like there's moments where it feels like there's a thought or something in my mm-hmm. heart, really, mm-hmm. that I didn't put there. And yeah. I feel like, okay, yeah. God, that's that's a, that's something you put there. In fact, um, this podcast, actually, I was... Mm-hmm. Uh, laying in bed i was about to go to bed and uh, i just had this sort of like this weird thought it's like, it's like i found it that's like the only yeah. way i can explain it like i found this thought and i was like you should do this and so mm-hmm. a week later i did it you know and yeah sure. and it, so it's it's sure. that's how i you know quote unquote hear from god yeah what's that how does that can you explain that to you because i think is if we try to explain it maybe people will kind of get it when yeah they hear sure it. that's a great question um I definitely believe God can speak to us. Um, I personally have never like audibly had that kind of experience with his voice. I know people that have. And so like, I believe that that is a way that he can speak to us. But for me too, I think it is just sometimes one thing that he's done for me is like reoccurring thought, Mm -hmm. you know, like when I'm, when I'm quiet or when I'm listening or when I'm thinking about a decision or a choice that I have to make and it's, sometimes it just keeps coming back or it'll hit me from different ways. Like sometimes I, God will speak through other things or other people. So there's like, there've been times where it's, I'm kind of feeling this in my spirit, kind of in what you're describing. Mm. And then I read something in scripture or somebody sends me a quote or I hear it in a sermon or I hear it in a worship song. And it's like, okay, God, this is the third or fourth time now that you have put this, like, this thought, this conviction, this whatever in front of me. And so it's hard to deny that Mm -hmm. um, when it's consistent. You know, I think like we were saying, God is is constant. And Mm -hmm. so when he kind of gives you those consistent messages, um, it's important (laughs) to, you know, even sometimes we we don't hear it the first time or we don't act on it the first time. And so it kind of comes back in another way. Yeah, I think, and, and another thing too, is I think that there's a difference when you're confidently moving in Christ, mm. you know, you might not be confident in yourself. You might go, boy, yeah. I, I, I can't do this. But there's something in your soul that says, yeah. God wants me to do this. You're confident yeah. in that. Yes. That, and, and even even if you Absolutely. like aren't actually hearing from God, I'll say, if you have faith that God's mm. going to do something in you, then I, like then yeah. you did hear from God. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> like, For sure. So, you know, I, I think that that's a lot of it. I, like, I think I said earlier, you know, if you're... If, if, if you're feeling anxious, like there's something, you don't mm-hmm. have a peace about it in your heart, you yeah. don't know, yep. then then I think you're you're moving in this anxious, frustrating, oh, this yeah. isn't working, I got to go to this, move, move, move. And mm-hmm. you know, I think the devil really is trying to get you to, to jump quickly, move mm-hmm. quickly. 
And yeah. I think that yeah. a lot of times with God, it's very still. Yeah. It's it's calm movements of faith, yeah. not these craving movements right. of, of frustration. And I would say the other thing is like, don't be afraid to pray boldly. Yeah. You know, it's, I think we have, we have to wait on God sometimes, but also like we have this authority and we have this connection to him and he wants us to use it, you know, pray specifically, pray boldly, you know, yeah. ask him the hard questions. Um, and, and ask him to speak to you, ask him for the clarity, ask him for the direction. It's not, it doesn't have to be, oh, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to wait until I hear from God. It's also, God, I don't know what to do. I need to hear from you and being okay with asking for that. Um, And sometimes the answer is, well, I'm not ready to give you the answer. Um, So you have to be ready to receive the answer, but don't be afraid to pray boldly. Like we are that is 100% a, a gift that we're given and, and underutilized. Mm. Very wise words from someone that is wisdom beyond your years. Um, thank you for <laughs> <laughs> thank you for coming on this podcast. Yeah. And, um, well, I'll see you tomorrow at work. Good to have you. I'll see you bright and early. <laughs>